Welcome to the Mike Litton Experience Podcast. Mike has over 31 years experience in real estate, finance, and investing. He's passionate about being a father, a teacher, a realtor, an investor, and a leader. Everyone has a story, and our passion is to help them tell it. And now, introducing the host of the Mike Litton Experience, Mike Litton. So what can you expect from the Mike Litton Experience? You can expect stories that will inspire, motivate, advice that will sharpen your focus, and expert information on real estate, finance, and market conditions. Franco, thank you so much, so much from the bottom of my heart for being our guest on the Mike Litton Experience. I know how busy you are. I know you're changing the world, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. Changing the world for the better, you know? And I know you're busy, and I, I just cannot thank you enough for being a part of, of, our, of our podcast and giving us your time today. Like we talked about before we hit record, everybody has a story, and our passion is to help them tell it. So with your permission, we're going to start with where you were born. We'll go all the way through your life story up until today. And then I'm dying for you to tell us about this new technology that you're applying to, to healing wounds and changing the world in a positive way. Okay. Absolutely. Thanks yeah. for being here, buddy. No, right. thank you. So I just came from the lab, actually. <laughs> that's awesome, bud. I love it. So tell us where you were born. So I was born in Boston, Massachusetts. Okay. Um, my parents, so my parents are from Argentina, uh, and they actually emigrated to the United States. Uh, they went to Boston to study. My dad was doing a PhD at Harvard, and my mom was doing a master's at MIT. Right. So um, I was born into these kind of two kind of high-performing parents. Yeah, uh, kind of. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and I only lived there for like a year or two. After that, I, I moved out very early yeah. on. Into we went to Spain. Okay, so you were born in Boston, correct? And when you were two, you said you moved to Spain. Okay. Yeah, yeah. When I was two years old, I moved to Spain. My my parents had an opportunity to start leading this um this new center for logistics oh, in, okay. in Spain. So, um. Moved to Spain. I actually spent about five years in Spain. Okay, uh, it's kind of where I had my primary education, and then yeah. uh, we got an opportunity in Brazil. So okay. moved to Brazil. Wow, you're uh, hopping all around the globe. This is cool. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. how? So you were seven when you moved to to Brazil? Yeah, eight or well, I was like I would say like eight, you know, around that. Yeah. Okay. Very much, very much around that era, and then moved to Brazil. Spent so I spent about eight or nine years in Brazil. Okay. So you graduated high school in Brazil? Well, it's funny. Uh, and, and this is actually part of my, my story. It, so a lot happened in Brazil. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was something. So I had most of my education, I did most of my high school there. And, and what happened was, and this actually kind of ties into the company, it ties into a lot of things. Uh, I I was, yeah. So, so in Brazil, what happened was, so my parents, you know, obviously none of us spoke the language. Well, yeah. so when I went into a school, I went into a school that was English speaking. Right. Uh, it was a, it was a British school in that you know they taught you Portuguese on on the side. Right. Um, and it was really it was an expensive school. It, it was a good school, but you know it was not good for the long run. So eventually, you know, my parents decided they're like, you know, you can't we can't afford this anymore. Let's you know you're going to go to a regular you know private like. Brazilian school, like they're going to speak Portuguese. Like so now, you know, you're just going to immerse, right? 
Yeah, yeah. So, and so I realize, just, so, just so we're yeah. clear, the native language in Brazil is Portuguese. Yep. Okay. Yep. So just so people know, not everybody. Yeah. We're yeah. we're broadcasting in twenty four countries, so not everybody's going to know that. So okay, go ahead. No, absolutely. Um, so yeah, so the main language is Portuguese, and it's funny because Portuguese is a very complex language. Yeah. In the sense that it's very vocal and very like very it, the sounds of Portuguese are very different. Yeah. Uh, so you speak, you know, known Portuguese, like there's a like this very big like nasal tone to it. Yeah. And so one thing is a foreigner speaking Portuguese, right? And then another thing is a local speaking Portuguese. And they're entirely, they're the same language, but they're entirely different, right? And because, there's a certain amount of respect that comes from the way you say the language, right? Yeah. The actual, the actual accent is a big deal. No, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. A thousand percent. Yeah. And so... I used to get made fun of, so I moved to this new school. I'm getting made fun of, and I didn't understand any of the schooling, and I, I went terribly in exams um, until my 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 teacher, and and it was like I think it was like the last year, it was like first year of high school, last year of middle school, like right right around like eighth grade, I guess. Um, yeah. And my teacher's like, look, man, like you're terrible at at the exams, but at the same time, you you know you're taking all these drawings and you're you're paying attention trying really hard and it seems like you're it was my biology class teacher right. um and she's like you're really interested in this subject i'm like because they were studying chronic diseases like diabetes and, and kind of how how those play a greater role in the body and, and i was really fascinated by by the human body yeah. and how it worked this is really i was like 13 like 12 years old maybe um and so this teacher tells me all right look you're not going to do well in your exams, yeah. clearly, because you don't know the language yet. And right. it's fine. Let's let's figure something different for right. you. And I've been That's doing this teacher, man. my entire life. It That's was a, a good, good teacher. teacher. Yeah. That's a was blessing, Regina, baby. It was a blessing. Yeah. It was a blessing. Um, and so this teacher, Regina, basically selects me to this uh we so so when you get to college by the way it's you do when you when you're first in a lab you call it scientific initiation right because okay. your first time like getting in contact with the lab environment sure. so these guys called it scientific pre-initiation okay so my high school had the scientific pre-initiation program where they would have students um have some early lab experiences with the scientific method so the goal of the program was it's experiential learning. It's hands on. Right. It's like you get a kid and you teach them the scientific method and you and you give them a project and, and they kind of take it on as their own. Right. Okay. And it's cool. And it, it and so they pair you with a mentor. It's a, a mentor structured mentor program. So they paired me with a mentor called uh, Carolina. So, so this, this professor who so she she um, a lot. It was a really nice high school. A lot of the teachers there had master's degrees. Mm. Um, which I know isn't not isn't, isn't super common. I, I don't know, um, but my teacher had, or my mentor, I guess, had a master's degree mm. in stem cells. Okay. In particular, and this is very important, uh, it was a kind of stem cell. It was a mesenchymal stem cell, right? And that will be important for later on. But it's okay. a type of stem cell. It's and okay. it's one of the types of stem cells in your body. It's it's actually one of the only types of stem cells that you have in your body. So. Mm -hmm. She liked stem cells, and more importantly, she liked stem cells that were present in your body. Okay. Um, and so she taught me all about them, right? And I, I learned from an early age um, how to, you know, like how cells worked. And I was, I was getting into the literature, and I was, and, and I had all these questions, and 
And she was more than anything interested in what we call translational work, meaning we're translating something from the lab onto an actual like real world environment. Okay. Um, and I really like that because well, like an application kind of thing. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I got you. Okay. From lab to patient. Yeah, I got you. Right. And, and it was really nice because from an, when I was 13 years old, getting exposed to an yeah. innovator, a thinker, a, a, a person who was looking at things from a really different perspective. And I was just a kid. Yeah. Um, and that awoke a passion. And I, I'm so serious. It wasn't, I mean, although, you know, some people like to argue that it was always in me. I think it was built. It was a constructed passion because it was something that instead of needing to go to school all the time and focus on those exams for, for biology, I could just do this. And right. it was really, really nice. And turns out I learned a lot from yeah. that. And But the problem with stem cells is that they're kind of complicated. So you can't really test them in a high school environment. There's not exactly a stem cell lab in your high school. I mean, right. unless some high schools, I know that these days they do. Um, <laughs> I didn't exactly have that. Yeah. So. I needed to find a lab that yeah. would actually, I had an idea, all right? I, I came up with an idea for a, a prototype of, of, a, of a device, an ointment. It was a, a wound healing ointment. And I was interested in wound healing because I was interested in that visual element, right? Of like seeing tissue grow, seeing your skin. I've always had some sort of complication with my skin where like I, you know, I scar really easily and I didn't like that. So I wanted to, it was, it was a personal problem at first. So I was like, you know, let's, let's try to do something with these cells in, in an application that's practical and that I can actually feel, right? Mm -hmm. Don't get me wrong. Like, you know, there's millions of applications for stem cells, but I figured like I wanted something that I could feel. Yeah. Um, and, and so I did, I, I, I looked for, I searched for over a hundred labs that worked with uh, stem cells within a five mile radius that, from my, where I lived and yeah. somewhere that made sense. Um, but the problem is that not many labs take kids. <laughs> I was like 13, 14, like with the design, I had a project proposal that was like 30 pages. Um, and I was like, you know, I had all these plans. I looked at all the literature with my mentor. This is all through my mentor. And, and eventually it was one lab that said, all right, tag along, whatever, you know, like what's the worst thing happen? You're going to burn the place down. Like, no, you'll, you'll, I'm sure you'll look great. You know, right. And they paired me, I was 14 years old, and I was paired with a PhD level student. PhD level, and a postdoc, I mean, people like, you know, doctors, people who were really advanced in their career. And, and I was their little brother. Mm -hmm. I was there just in this place, I was just physically surrounded by all these great people. And they were all around me, just teaching me the ropes. And when you're in an environment like that, you start realizing that all those really seemingly complicated topics, don't get me wrong, they're complicated, but they just feel a little bit simpler, a little bit simpler because you have someone who really loves the area and, and is seeing it every day and you see it really practically. You start learning a lot by doing. And, and yeah. I realized I'm a great visual learner and, and I loved it. I loved it so cool. much, Mike. And so the thing was, that, um, you know, my parents got separated in the meantime. So my father went to live back to Argentina and my mother, so my mother found uh, a job opportunity in Chile at the time. So, you know, I, I was doing this research. Uh, my father was already somewhere else. And, and then my mother 
maybe this, this is like two years later. So I was like 16 years old, maybe 15 years old. Yeah. And my mother comes to me and she says, Franco, we're moving to Chile. Wow. And I'm a kid. I'm a high school kid doing and this. You're research. just getting going in this lab. And I'm just getting going, Mike. I'm like, oh. I don't want to stop this. No kidding. And I did something. I don't know what came out of me. All right. I'm so serious. You know, I was a kid, like regular teenage, like high school kid, just doing yeah. regular stuff. And just like the only thing I had was like, I went to this lab that I really liked and it was like yeah. a job. Right. And, um, and I just, something from within me just, 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 it came out. And I told my mom, my, my mom, who is my, you know, someone I, I deeply fear and you're respect everything. in the yeah, way that you would fear yeah. and respect your mom. You're like, yeah. it's my mom. And I tell her, no. No, nope. I am staying in Brazil. I don't, I need to stay wow. here and I'm going to dedicate myself to this. How hard was that? <laughs> you mean that I moment mean, or everything after that? You're sweating and blushing right now just talking about this. You know that, right? Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I mean, just the subject. You're just like, you're going back to that moment. Oh, it was, uh, it was that a was difficult reaction. And it I was a difficult tell. moment. But you know what? Like it was that moment of, of, of that leap of faith. That was my first ever leap of faith. That yeah. was the first time that I ever, like, it was just, I either pick my passion or I, and I became who I wanted to become, right. or I went down the path that life was taking me and, and, and figured that out. And I'm sure I would have been great going to Chile. And what others wanted you to do, right? And what <laughs> others wanted me to do. Right. Because mom wanted you to go with her. Yeah. So let me ask you this. So you make this decision, you sort of step off this cliff. How yeah. did your mother react to this? Not so, well, I'm guessing, right? But no, no. She was very mad at first. But yeah. but in a supportive way. My mom is my biggest supporter. Oh, sure. Uh, and we'll I'll tell you a little bit about, about that. But um my mom, she was mad at the time. Yeah. She was like, What do you mean? Like you're you know, you're you're a child, right? And it was yeah. And I will tell you that I was a child and, yeah. and I think I, I was blind at times, you know, and I didn't really realize how much of an adult life, like how much the adult life actually took, you know? And, yeah. and so um, she was mad, but, but then she went, so this is a true story, yeah. factual story. She went a couple of days later to get a couple of drinks with her friends. And they were in, and one of my friends was uh, one of my mom's friends was, was tipsy uh, or so I heard I wasn't there. And, yeah. and so apparently, so this, my mom's friend, very she was an entrepreneur mm -hmm. very cool person and she's like oh what your son wants to stay in brazil yeah he can just come live with my family it's totally fine don't worry about it and my and my mom respects her very i mean she was right. on brazil so she, you know my mom respected her a lot like she was right. a very good entrepreneur right and like you know my mom was like are you serious and she's like yeah look look if the you know, kid's 15 16 i'm sure he can take care of himself wipe his own butt like if he can um if he can just take like babysit my kids you know, like a couple of times a week, um, you know, he can just come live with us and, and, and we can figure something out. And all of a sudden life started opening up for me. It's, it just came together. Yeah. I took just this came together. And I'm telling you when it seems like, you know, moving to Chile would have been the path of least resistance. Right. Yeah. But no, turns out staying was actually the most straightforward for me. Yeah. And it was great because, um, because all of a sudden I had a home, I had yeah. a family that was going to take care of me. And, and yeah. I had, 
Um, you know, and it was good because it was actually really close to the lab, believe it or not, it was like really close to the lab. Yeah. So, and I did it, I dropped everything. And, and obviously it was hard because, because, you know, I, I, my mom and I lost, uh, missed out on a lot of those moments that we would have had as a family. But, but at the same time, we both knew that I was just, there was something pushing me. Yeah. I, I, you know, that I really wanted to do this. And even if it didn't work out, the experience itself of, of having learned and taken that leap of faith and done something that I really wanted to do, especially from such an early age, it was, it was really, um, it was really just great. I, I grew a lot. Well, given her background though, right? It sounds like she appreciated and, and respected what you wanted to do more than just about anybody else on the planet would have. Yeah. Do you favor your mom? Like, are you like your mom? I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she saw that. She saw herself in you. My mom's very stubborn. I'm, I'm incredibly stubborn. <laughs> she saw herself in you. Yeah. And that's, that's ultimately, I mean, that's, you know, every parent, that's a big pride thing, right? My, my kids are 23 and 25 years old. Oh, I'm so sorry. And, and yeah. Right. And I, and I survived, right. <laughs> you know, Right. Um, I'm still, it's still kicking. Um, but they, you know, they turned out amazing, absolutely amazing. And I see traits of myself in them, both of them, both my son and my daughter. Right. And it's just, it's like, this is awesome. You know, not that yeah. I'm that great, but you know what I mean? No, right? no. And I get but what they, you mean. And yeah, you, you yeah. see, you, you pass wisdom to them. Right. And then you see them enact and act on that and it's just it's just an amazing experience and my mom yeah my mom's a risk taker in my mom i love your mom i just think she's amazing (laughs) yeah no you've got to be you've got to love the gal that that your mom's friend that put you up and i mean yeah that's just that's no she is family to me in fact uh this tattoo over here is actually dedicated to that family there you Um, go that's cool uh, and and this other one is to my mom and my sister and, and all those people those first emotional investors yeah. Uh, that I had, and, and that's true. It's um, a, a very close mentor of mine. Is like a grandfather to me who recently passed away, Doctor Kaplan. Um, yeah, I saw the I saw the tribute on your website. Yeah, no, he's he's a I I you know great guy, and and he will get into him actually. He's a great part of the story, but but yeah. he told me that there's there's capital, and then there, like financial capital, and then there's emotional capital. Yeah. And your first investors aren't monetary; they're yeah. they're the people who support you. Yeah. And my first investor was my mom, and and that's something that um. I have a lot of pride in like I, I take a lot of pride in that and and it was it was great because it was someone who believed in me before i even believed in myself yeah. really truthfully um and she saw this huge potential and in, in this huge drive that i i was hungry man i was yeah. hungry for it and now it's finally coming but like eight years later it's coming to fruition right <laughs> it took eight years um to do an overnight success but it still was happening yeah, <laughs> we're talking overnight successes that have taken thirty years. So eight years. Wow. Ago. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. and I'm still not there yet. I mean, we're still we still You're not getting there. Oh, You're getting there. Getting I'm it. impressed, man. I'm impressed <laughs> with the research I've done on you. Oh uh, well, thank you. I appreciate it. So so yeah. So I'm 16, doing research, uh, living alone, and and don't get me wrong, it was tough. Uh, I realized also, and I do want to actually outwardly say that uh mental health was a big thing where like i think i didn't realize how tough it was on my mental to be so far away from family and to just i would wake up mike and, and by the way i actually at the time i also got a job at a bar as a bartender to, okay. to make uh rent and to you know have some extra money and so yeah. uh, i was waking up at 5 30 a.m every morning 
I was like 16 years old, 5.30 a.m. I was going to sleep at like midnight every night. Um, and I was doing everything right. I was, I was working, I was going to school, I was going to the lab and then I was going, you know, doing, uh, shifts at night, right. working so hard just to make this dream come true. And I just, I just kept going. I didn't yeah. even see it as, as a bad thing, but eventually, you know, it, it got to me. I was, I was very much like, um, lonely. I felt, you know, a little bit isolated. And so that actually, so, so when you asked me, did you graduate high school in Brazil? So, so what happened was. And it's funny because we, we went on this huge tangent, but um, right. the reason was that I actually did not graduate yeah. high school because the same. So um, I was kind of like goofing around in school at times because I was just like so tired and in the, and I wasn't really uh, I'm not that much of an academic learner. It, it never worked for me. The, the lab really was that difference for me. Yeah. And um, so there was times like. Uh, I, so I would like sometimes like skip out on class just to spend more time like doing research and that affected my grades. And, and then at the same time, you know, there was one moment where uh, I was going to go on vacation to go visit my mom. And it was like the month of July is off for, for school in Brazil. And mm -hmm. um, the, in the door of the house I was living in, like in front, I, I just, I ordered, I ordered an Uber, put my bag in the back of the car and two guys who were doing rounds on a motorcycle in Sao Paulo, Brazil, which is a very dangerous city, mm -hmm. uh, come to me with uh, guns and actually robbed me at gunpoint. And I already had like very little money and the little money that I had, I was actually taking with me so I could like deposit it with my mom and, right. you know, and, and they robbed all my money. They stole my backpack, which had everything. So yeah. the lesson here to be learned is don't put all your eggs in one basket. But, right. um, or in one backpack, right? <laughs> yeah, or in one backpack. <laughs> I happen to put my eggs in one backpack. My all my passport. I have uh, pa three passports because I'm a I'm a American, Italian, Argentinian. Um, you know, I I had all my savings gone. You know, I I lost my headphones. I really like my headphones. I, right. I and I lost my phone and. Um, was your in, can't hop on an international flight like that. Was huh? your in there too? My what? Your computer? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. absolutely. Um, right. and it was awful. It was a terrible moment because I had nothing. Suddenly, and they, they robbed the Uber too. Poor guy. He was trying to get home to his wife, and and you know, <laughs> um, and we were both, and it started like I don't understand how like life works because it started raining like at some point. And so we were just both kind of sitting down in the curb, trying to figure it out. And I had nothing, not a slice of pizza to my name. <laughs> I had everything robbed. Um, and, and the, the Uber is like, and I, and I had recently broken up a relationship um, for, for, you know, also, cause I was, I was really just not focused on that. I was focused on the lab. And, and, and so it was like one week after that, then yeah. that happened. It was July 9th. It was, it was the girl's birthday yeah. and i had nowhere to go the only family i could think of was them they were like you know the, the uber driver comes to me he's like i'll take you one place like anywhere just you know i'm just i, I want to clear my conscience like right. i don't want to leave the kid alone abandoned she'll just right. tell me where to take you i'll take you and then i'm gonna go home yeah. um and i show up to like my ex-girlfriend's family and they, they were so wonderful they, they you know uh, and i actually still speak to to that family like to this day like we're you know i'm, I'm very grateful to them 
Um, but I had nothing. And so that was a really big stop on my life yeah. because um, my parents, you know, were really, um, they were really like scared for me. They didn't want me to live in Brazil anymore alone. I mean, it, this all this, you know, um, glamour around living alone and doing this whole thing suddenly disappeared when their baby was like uh, in danger. Yeah. So my mom hopped on a flight and she she was there the day after. The day yeah. after. I don't even know how expensive that flight was. It had to have been. <laughs> yeah. And she was on that flight from Chile. She, she, and we got all my passports sorted in like a week. Um, and, and we just kind of, you know, got it all sorted, got me back on my feet. And then she said, let's go on vacation anyway. You know, they didn't even mention school. They said nothing. It was just, let's go on vacation. So I go with my mom to Chile and my mom looks at me and I had one backpack. That's, I mean, okay, well, I had obviously I had a spare backpack, but um, I had one backpack and like leftover clothes and that's all I had. Mm -hmm. And my mom tells me, you're not going back. You're not going back to prison. I don't care where, I don't care what you do to school. I don't, I don't, I really don't care. Yeah. You're not going back. She just wanted you safe, man. She just wanted me safe. And, and it's funny because it was like, right. I had just um, gotten a full ride. I had just gone back from New York uh, to go to a science fair where I had won, you know, gold medal, which was given like 5% of applicants, which is a enormous deal right i had just gotten awarded like it's international recognition for for my prototype the, the research was going really well um but my mom tells me you're not going back and so what do you do yeah what would you do mike would you I'd go, go back? back i'd go back you'd go back i'd go back um, and you know what i respect that decision uh personally i didn't actually well i understand i mean it's you know that had to have rocked your world had to rock your world. I mean, I we had nothing even remotely close to that. But I had a computer. I had two computers and an iPhone stolen, oh, uh, I'm and, sorry. Some, and some clothes and stuff. Well, it's it's not your fault. I mean, it's we we had gone. We had taken my son up to Northern California. He came down when we had a hurricane here, and he flew. His timing is amazing. He come. This is like the third time he's done this. He's fl he flies down and Southwest Airlines cancels all the flights going back. And he's oh, wow. panicking because he has to be back at work on Monday, right? And it's Saturday. And so there's this hurricane. Um, there was this Ooh. hurricane that was coming in. And so they canceled all the flights. And so as a precaution, right? And so he's sort of panicking on Saturday. And I said, listen, don't worry about it. We're going to, we'll just pile everybody up in the truck and we'll drive you up. It's a nine hour drive. We'll drive you up there. Wow. We'll beat the we'll leave early. We'll beat the hurricane up there. Okay. We'll drive you up. We'll drop you off. You'll be at work on time on Monday morning. Don't worry. You're going to be fine. We got up early enough. Left early enough. We missed a bunch of the a bunch of the traffic. Got him up there. Got him in. Took him out to dinner that night. Even as a family, we had a great wow. time. One of our best dinners ever. One of our best. A great family. No, that's awesome. Turned around the next morning and came back down idea was we were going to stop probably halfway maybe three quarters of the way stay the night and then continue on the next morning and we decided to just push through and just go home because everybody wanted to sleep in their own bed so we stopped at this restaurant of our that we love that we had eaten at before and we had a great meal great meal we come out and somebody had broken the back window of my four of my four-door truck no way taken my computer bag that had my computer and my daughter's computer and my iphone in it right 
had a whole bunch of my stuff in it, had a whole bunch of my notes in it, all this stuff. And they also take another bag. They would have taken everything in that truck, including the truck, if there hadn't been a witness standing there. Oh, wow. Okay. So to say that it took a whole out of our life is, is an understatement. But here's the deal. It wasn't everything we had. I still had money in the bank. I still had money in my pocket. I still, you know, they didn't take my money. They didn't take my credit cards. They didn't take anything except a computer. And, and this computer needed to be replaced anyway. So we replaced my daughter's computer, replaced my computer, replaced the iPhone with better equipment. What did we lose, right? Yeah. Except that we had that feeling of being violated, right? We had that feeling of having the back yeah. window, right? So to this day, I'm more careful about what I put in that truck and what I leave in that truck parked yeah. you know, locked and all that, right? Yeah, so no. I can only imagine at your age in, in a place like Brazil, what you went through. And then I can only begin to imagine what your mother went through because your mother spent her entire life protecting you. And she took that back. you that as a dad, right? Yeah. And so she put her foot down. And to your credit, you respected that decision enough to, to abide by it. That's, I need family. Yeah. Well, you, of course you did. Of course you did. So I actually, uh, another big lesson, but I, I still, I still uh, stepped out of the lab. Uh, I took about a year and I did. So eventually my, uh, you know, I, I couldn't find a, a high school in Argentina that would, in Chile, sorry, that would take me. Right. So I, my, my, my dad, I, I actually went to visit my dad right after and And my dad actually worked really hard and found a high school for me to graduate in. Was I he still in Argentina? Yeah, he's still in Argentina. And I, I I did three months of that high school and I graduated and they were like, wow. okay. Good job. And I graduated on time thanks to that. And and it was a family effort. And um and I got I, I took uh that's where I spent the pandemic. Eventually a pandemic happened and I was with my family because that was perfect. Of, it was really great. Um that was perfect because everything got shut down. You weren't going anywhere. I wasn't going anywhere. And, right. and, and I had done great stuff at the lab. I had ended it on a great note because yeah. we had gotten this really great award. And and um, and well, and then I had to apply to college. Yeah. But in this whole college application process, you know, uh, I didn't I didn't have like stellar grades. It wasn't a focus for me. And and I think like I, I think anyone can can succeed at anything they want to do as long as they they're dedicated to it. And, and uh, candidly, I I just wasn't as focused on my grades. It wasn't a, a focus. And so, because I was so focused on the lab. Yeah, you gotta um, want it, you gotta want it bad. And you gotta want it more than anybody else. Exactly. Right. And the only thing I wanted more than anybody else is that, that um, I was, it was to make an impact through my research. That was, is the research is yeah. what I wanted. Um, and so I applied to 20 schools, 20 schools. Two uh, okay. Top 20 schools in the United States, pretty much. I mean, it was, it was 20, tw the top 19 and then one extra one that was called Case Western Reserve University in Ohio. Yeah, I've heard of them. Yeah. Um, and that one was because going back to those mesenchymal stem cells I told you about way back then. Right. Turns out that the guy who created them actually lives in Cleveland. And yeah. he actually has a lab in the biology department of, of this university in Ohio right. that I had heard of. Um, so I'm like, and I'm, I mean, obviously I, I, I'm from South America. Like I barely know what Ohio was other than like the 2016 LeBron James, like NBA finals, right. you know, well, I Cleveland, right? Yeah. Yeah. In Cleveland. Yeah. Um, and so 19 schools 
Mike said, no, wow. I had 19 rejections and I had one school that said, let's take the kid. And they gave Case me a great Western. scholarship and it was Case Western Reserve University in Ohio. Well, it's a good thing you applied to them. <laughs> yeah, I would have gone. Yeah, right? I don't know. What this would have been a completely different story. Well, I worked flipping burgers and I, right? Right? Yeah. This would have been a completely different story. Absolutely. Cool. It would have. And, and, but you know what the crazy thing is that it wasn't. And I don't understand how, but here's the thing everyone tells me this. They're, they ask me, they're like, Franco, all right, if you would have gone into any one of those other 19, I mean, I'm talking like Harvard, Stanford, right? right, right. Brown, Yale, like Princeton reputable universities would you have gone to case western and i would have told them probably not yeah i didn't know enough and, and now looking back i would have taken to school over anything but but you know and so it's like that rolling stones lyric right you can't always get what you want sure. but if you try sometimes you get what you need mm -hmm. you know and i got what i needed and you got and you got it here's the thing you gotta want it bad enough right you gotta want it bad enough to never give up yeah, those 19 schools saying no to you, you could have very well said, well, it's not for me. Yeah, and, and no, okay. I, I wanted, I had that will. Yeah, you I went wanted. to Case Western, you were going to make this happen come you know what or high water, right? H-E double hockey sticks or high water, and you were going to make this work. Yeah. And so, and so you went to Case Western, what happened then? Well, I went to the guy who, who, who studied the cells that I've been studying since I was 13 years old. Is this and Dr. I, Kaplan? Dr. Kaplan. Okay. And I sent him an email and I said, I want to, I would do anything to work in your lab. And I sent him the, I, at this point, it was like 50 pages long, right. literally, I'm not even kidding. Uh, it was a 50 page long paper that I had written my words and I translated from Portuguese into English just so, you know, um, he could read it and well, and, and also I, I kind of, I had, because I presented at the New York present competition, like I already had an English version kind of like written up somewhat. So I, it was good. It was easy. So I, and I sent him this long email telling him my life story and telling him how I needed, I wanted to work in his lab. And this guy had not taken in an undergraduate student to work under him for eight years. Yeah. He loves people, but he's just, he's getting, he was getting old and he was like, you know what? I, it's too much training for undergrads. The life story worked, didn't it? It did. <laughs> it did. Being authentic is a huge deal. It's amazing how this works, right? It's amazing. Yeah. People hear your life story and they connect. They connect. Yeah. It gets you places. I love oh, it. Oh, and I sent them pictures of me like traveling. I was like, this is love it. Yeah. Um, and it worked. It was I, I was I'm a I'm a really authentic person, Mike. I, I don't hide. Oh yeah, I, I get that. You know, I, I truly, yeah, I really like I'm I'm just I'm always myself I, yeah. and, and I, that reflects in my writing and reflects in, in, in my work and, you know. Well, it's refreshing, okay? Not everybody your age is authentic. I appreciate it. No, yeah. I, no, seriously. I we should, we should and that, that helped you to stand out with Dr. Kaplan. I guarantee you it did. That and your life story and, and the award that you won, okay? Your focus, your drive, your commitment, your dedication, your passion, all of that, I guarantee you, helped you to get through to him. I guarantee it. No, I, I, it's true. And, and it's, it's true. It's that consistency. It's yeah. the fact that there was a kid who was so driven, who had you know been studying it for so long and, and who took all these. I told him that I left my mother's house at 16 just to pursue this. Yeah. And he's like, 
kid's got skin in the game. <laughs> He's like, I want, um, I want to work with them, take him in. And they needed someone at the time because uh, the COVID, um, you know, there was a, lot, a couple people who, who weren't able to work. So, so, you know, they need someone who was there physically in Cleveland and, and I just moved in. And, um, and the first thing that Dr. Kaplan learned um, is that, that I'm really stubborn. Mm -hmm. I'm really, I'm just like my mom, because he, he, the first thing he ever told me was, you sure you don't want to study biology? I think you should study biology because in, if you study biology, you're going to have a lot more freedom and free time and you can spend more time in the lab. And I was like, yeah, but I like the biomedical engineering field and uh, studying biology won't get me anywhere. I want to do, I want to be an engineer. I want to be a biomedical engineer. Yeah. I don't want to be distracted, but here's no. the thing. He said that as a test. He maybe did. He did. I guarantee you he did. He was testing you. He was trying to test your resolve and you passed with flying colors. <laughs> I'm serious. I'll tell you one thing, Mike, if there's anything I've done in my life, right, it's I've stuck to what I believe in. Yeah. More well, you're focused. And, you know, not a lot of people your age are, man. There are a lot of people that are your age still don't know what they want to do. Yeah. Okay. I, I interviewed somebody yesterday that or actually earlier today, pardon me, that she's 40 some years old or she's just for, just turned 40, pardon me, just turned 40. And she's still trying to figure out what she wants to do. You with me? She's still searching. Yeah. And yeah. that, that happens to people, you know, and it's more prevalent than you can possibly imagine that a young person, your age just doesn't know. And so one of the unbelievable gifts that you have is you knew early on. I, I was standing on the shoulders of giants. And I had stuck to it. That's, that's a real testament to you. And it's a testament to your parents. It's a testament to how you were raised. Yeah. And okay. Yeah, absolutely. And the next time you see your mother, you need to give her a hug and a kiss and thank her from above. <laughs> Besides telling her, right? Yeah. 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 And, um, and, and it was something, it was a very nice, very positive experience um, because, learn, I mean, I learned, I mean, so for you to have an idea, Arnie, Arnie actually did. So there's, there's. Um, Arnie's there's, Dr. Kaplan. Yeah, Dr. Kaplan. Okay. Yeah. okay. I call him Arnie because. That's um, okay. It's okay. You're allowed. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's so, well, and he taught me a lot. He actually, he did a wound healing company uh, okay. back in the day. And he was the, the pioneer of what we call the cell therapy. He was the first guy to put cells on humans pretty much as a therapy. And that was what his company was about. He was a pioneer in the field, someone who really made a, a big difference. And I came to him and I told him, I want to study wound healing in the lab of the guy who created the first cell therapy for wound healing ever. Yeah. And he said, love it, but you're not going to study wound healing in my lab. I'm like, what? He's like, no, you're, if you're going to study in my lab, love it, but you're going to study cancer. You're going to study these same stem cells, but you're going to study them in a different context. And you're going to see how you learn from that. And why and was that? What, did you ask him why? I'm sure you did. I did. And it was, it was not nothing scientific at all. It was more a matter of that was his focus because he was focused on, he thought that there was a way to cure cancer through these cells. And it's a, oh, it's God. a work that's still in the back burner and we're still working on it. And it's very right. exciting stuff, but it was, and so he put me on this, I mean, it, it, it got me off track I was I like off my like I was so used to like wound healing all of a sudden like I'm using everything I learned but to study cancer and I did 
And that was what funded most of my summer. Um, two, two of my three summers, I spent working, studying cancer, doing cancer grants, writing cancer papers. And, 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 and it was, you know, I learned a lot of valuable skills. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I still had that itch. Yeah. So I told him, all right, I'll study cancer. Um, but I'm going to, you know, use the time, the free time that I have with you. And I'm going to ask you every question I can think of for wound healing. Right. Because um, I'm still going to do it because... And, and another thing I, I kind of did, I kind of like skipped out on a little bit, but it's, is that when I was working in Brazil, we, we worked in a, in a very translational lab and it was in front of a hospital. And so we actually saw, I witnessed uh, part of my time was actually spent in what we call like debriding wounds, like cleaning wounds, because uh, as a student, turns out I'm actually like exempt from, I don't need, so because I can be a trainee, a student, mm-hmm. as a student, mm-hmm. uh, I don't actually have to have like these complicated certifications that all the nurses had. And so I could, and it was a collapsing public healthcare system. And so they would just get students and say, come with us and help us. Like, it's really simple. You just grab water, you grab bleach and you scrub. Mm-hmm. So it was water, bleach and scrubbing. That's all we had to treat wounds. And these people would have these, I mean, diabetic foot ulcers. These, these people would come from a rural environment where they would have less access to education and, and to uh, good quality food. And, and most importantly, they would, um, they wouldn't have access to quality healthcare systems either. So then, you know, they would develop prediabetes or diabetes. And then essentially, you know, they would develop ulcers from that. And those ulcers, if you don't treat them, they get infected. That infection, it's literally, it's black, right? And so um, it starts spreading. And if it spreads into your heart, it's called sepsis and you're dead within hours. So in, well, when your foot's black, it starts hurting a lot. So you actually, um, you know, you gotta go to the hospital. So I would see these wounds by the time they were already at the like hospital level. Mm. I mean, they were cooking up for months. They were like, they smelled awful and they were so like inflamed and they, and most of them would get chopped off. Most of them would actually suffer amputation. And I saw these wounds. I would see a person, sometimes I've, I would see the amputation in the operating room or sometimes I would see a person coming out of the hospital Right. Um, with with a leg and coming coming into the hospital with a leg and coming out of it without one. Right. And, and so I told Dr. Kaplan, like, look, I, I understand. And I, I get this. But look, I am not going to give up on those people that I saw like all that early on. It's something I've been working on for a long time and I've been working on it for a reason. So, you know. Um, so. In, in on my side time, I would still work on developing novel ideas, but materials, things that could help these people. And, and I always thought of making them cheap and accessible it's so that so the people who needed most could really benefit from them right and that's when actually i started the company so um another big supporter of mine was my father who was kind of like following along this this whole path of science and and you know helped me graduate high school and and he saw me grow as an as an innovator and and i had the entrepreneurial itch from from this family i grew up with that was an entrepreneur i I had a, a great mentorship and um so funny story, and I don't—I I wasn't there. I—I I don't know how it happened, but—but but my father is in an elevator, all right, with, um, with a guy who's got a wound healing company. Mm-hmm. So again, and my son and my dad's like, oh, my son has a wound healing company. You know, well, he's my son. It wasn't a company at that. It was just me doing research in wound healing. He's like my son does wound healing research. Said, really, no kidding. Send it to me. Let me let me sh- let me give it a read. I'll send it to my scientists. They'll tell me what they think. Okay. So the, the science, they send it to one scientist and the, the one scientist sends it to the next scientist. Mm-hmm. It turns out that the, the next scientist, that the last guy who saw it was a legend, all right? Someone who I deeply admire and respect and, and knew of his work because he was the guy, I don't know if you're familiar with glucose test strips. Do you know what that, those are? Uh-huh. 
Yeah. So it's, you know, before 1995, you needed to get a blood test to know if you have diabetes. Now you can just do it with a piece of paper that's worth five cents instead of $300. Right. right. His name, the guy who created that's called Robin Wiskovich. Okay. And Robin worked with the guy who my dad ran into in an elevator. Wow. And so all of a sudden, Robin's reading this scientific article that a 16-year-old kid made, like all the, you know, all those many years ago. I was a sophomore in college at that time. And so it was, it was right. a long time ago. Right. And like 2020, 2021. Right. And he's like, whatever that kid does, I, I don't want the product itself, the prototype, like it's not going to be scalable. So it's not going to make sense at a commercial level. Like it was a product that was really advanced and, and it had really complicated proteins that it, are hard to make, like manufacture at scale. But he said, look, if a 16 year old kid did this, chances are he's going to do it again. He's going to do yeah. something. And if you can tweak it, he can guide him. He's, he's on the right track. Right. That guy said, you should be betting on your son, like business, serious business betting on your son. Um, it obviously, you know, I like I said, it was, it was probably a different, you know, different way to say, it, but it was very much on those lines of my dad comes to me. He's like, kid, we got to work together. Yeah. Like someone who honestly is really respected, who's, who's done a wound healing product, who's, you know, basically just gave you the green light and they had this technology that was really cool it's like an antimicrobial technology and they're like you know kid can use it whatever he wants to do with it and they can play around with it figure out a use for it and i started reading i started searching i started understanding asking questions growing up around dr kaplan and, and you know arnie and, and um and all these scientists and, and my mentors from brazil and eventually um you know that's when this idea, we said, all right, th th their technology is cool, but really what we need is a way to deliver it in an efficient way. And so right. I was, I was coming up with materials that were efficient in delivering compound. Right. right. And another thing is that actually one of my coworkers, this, this is where I tell you the universe has, has plays such a big role. The, 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 my, one of my coworkers at the Kaplan lab 15 years ago had worked on a cell therapy but it's like near the year I was born. He's like worked on a cell therapy and, and he worked on, so what they used to do, and this was really ahead of its time, by the way, it was, they used to grab cells from a patient and then they grab like an open source available to everyone, uh, you know, patch. So it's what we call a scaffold. It's actually like a 3D structure and we'll, we'll get, we can get into it, but it's basically, you know, they, they would basically create a structure and they would grab your own cells and they would put that on the structure. Mm -hmm. Simple. And so what happens is that you're grabbing your own cells and you're growing them externally it takes like a week or two and then you're putting them back on your on your body in mm -hmm. that had great results because we realized that your best the best thing for your own wound healing for your own cells for your own body is your own cells like yeah. who would have known <laughs> yeah. so what they they did it was they grabbed cells processed it with a bunch of external factors and they put this on this 3d matrix like a 3d structure that supported cell growth yeah because 3d is way better than 2d and and so I'm coming up with materials and systems that can deliver compounds. I look at what they used to do and I'm like, so why are you, and, and, and this is what, you know, after a lot of conversations, we kind of, we kind of realized, and we came up speaking to a couple of doctors about it. Um, why are you processing the cells externally when we can just kind of create something that works from scratch, right? We can just grab all this stuff and put it somewhere that works and into a structure that works and that has everything it needs. So the scaffold has everything your cells need. So instead of taking the cells from the body, 
Well, you can still grab the cells from them. It was originally intended for you to grab cells from your body, but instead of processing them with all this stuff, you right. just put it straight on the scaffold. So okay. instead of grabbing cells and then processing them. What's the scaffold? The, this, and now, so the scaffold, so the, in a tissue, there's three things, right? There's cells that you know well, there's proteins, uh -huh. and then there's the mesh that knits it all together. Okay. And so the mesh that knits it all together, that's what we call a scaffold structure. Okay. okay. So that's basically, it's collagen is a scaffold, for example. So okay. scaffold is actually the literal physical structure upon which the cells live. Okay. Um, so it's basically, it's, if you took out your cells, you would be a scaffold, right? It's like, that's right. it. So that's what I did. And I realized, I was like, we could just create a, a, a product, right? A 3D matrix, a scaffold, right? This is all the same, same word. Um, right. Where cells could be your own cells. So, because remember, cell therapies are really useful, really important, but they're really expensive. That's a huge right. problem, right? And, right? and the problem with this, this expense is that it's because they're, they're spending between four hours and six hours in an operating room processing these cells with a bunch of liquids, a bunch of elements, a bunch of... And so we just said, what if you don't need to spend four hours in the operating room um, treating these cells? You can just put it straight on a scaffold and it has everything you need. And when you so, put it on the scaffold, then the cells grow? Yeah. Okay. So but, instead, of this other, instead of this other 3D matrix thing, this is the scaffold that you're using to, to actually grow the cells. Yeah. Is it more but, efficient? It was it was a hundred percent. It was like ninety nine percent more efficient in okay. time and in cost. Okay, so that but, makes sense. That that drops the cost. Yeah, it makes was great. It more available, that kind of. Okay. But here's the thing, Mike. That's great. It was great. It was it was uh and it it, it works really well, and, and it's still a product that we have in our in our in our pipeline. It's it still solves a big headache. But and this is the Franco effect. <laughs> it's the fact, Mike, that. We created that to solve one niche problem that like cell therapists had. Yeah. What I realized is that in doing that, we actually created something way bigger than that. Okay. Because that same material that is is that we created doesn't just work for those specific cell therapies. Okay. In fact, I optimized the manufacturing process. I optimized the material cost of it. I optimized the the composition i created a patent all over around it and so we just we realized that i can actually add almost anything to it and it's as simple for me as mixing sugar in your coffee in the morning because i re i built it that way i built it for it to be easy simple and straightforward and so then we realized wait so we don't we can't we don't need to just use it for like cell therapies no, we can just use it as a dressing itself. So it, it's standalone. So you don't need to put cells on it. You can just put it straight on your wound. Or wait, and then we start realizing, wait, this supports cell growth in so many ways. I don't need to just put it on the one specific kind of wound. I can put it on any kind of wound. And then we realize, wait, I don't need to put it on just wounds. I can put it on anything that needs cell growth, tissue engineering in general. And there's a whole lot of things in your life that need cells. For example, lab-grown meat. Great application, uh, you know, cosmetics. This is a patch that I can actually create cosmetic products out of. Mm -hmm. We created what we call a multifaceted delivery system, right? Mm -hmm. for, for, for anything. I mean, any compound, drug, cell, you name it, we can put it. And so we realized that the potential of this was way bigger than what we originally intended it for because 
I could spend my entire life building on top of this product and I would never reach its full potential. So if you think about it, and, and I'll, I'll display, display it to you in, in really simple terms, okay. right? Really. We basically got, got the clinical benefit of a stem cell therapy and we brought that clinical complex like you know structure into something as simple as a band-aid hmm. and as cost effective as a band-aid in fact we're simple i mean artemis is as simple as a band-aid i i have i wish i i actually just gave uh, my sample to a doctor i also would have shown it to you but um hmm. it's really simple stuff we are if you think about it a 3d band-aid and we're the next generation of that band-aid and, and the thing is Mike, is that we're the next generation of entrepreneurs because I'm a 21 year old kid leading yeah. a healthcare company that is leading the next generation of tissue engineering. And, yeah. and the secret here is that I knew what I didn't know because I knew that I knew nothing. Mm -hmm. So instead, I just stood on the shoulders of my mentors, of the giants around me, and, and I went out of my way. And I spoke to 120 doctors, all of which were really interested in, in this vision and this idea and, and were all of them, which, which gave me really valuable knowledge. Mm -hmm. And I spoke to so many more scientists and I spoke to um, people who had diabetes, who had this problem. I got a really good read of that problem and, and, and the needs around it. And then I started learning about other potential applications. So, and that's when my life changed. Mm -hmm. Because when we realized that, Mike, it was it was a, a moment of of you know we st we were it was around the same time that you know we started applying for uh, competitions and, and grants and and we got so successful with those competitions like people really started seeing it and so I started having to travel the world the world I mean I I went to a bunch of countries around you know America like North America South America Europe. You know, I, I've been I've been writing grants with international collaborators, writing grants with my old mentors in Brazil, with my new mentors in the, in the U.S. You know, like like non dilutive funding opportunities. We started raising private capital at, at one point. We, we got an angel investor, and then um, and and I know it's a lot, right? But but we we started realizing that we were changing. We could change people's lives. We could make an impact, and and then we got this this huge high. Um, visibility and, and, and high, a like very prestigious competition, you know, South by Southwest, mm -hmm. amazing. It's like a music festival. It's also a pitch competition. It's, it's yeah. very, you know, Dwayne Wade's going to be there. It's like, what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Like, and, and, and we realized that we could just, we could become a voice for the future of, of entrepreneurs in a way too. It's like, we did this, well, you can do it too. And that's the thing. It's like, I, I do have a very outlier story and, and I'm a very, you know, extroverted person, but really I truly believe from the bottom of my heart that if you put your passion into something and you're dedicated and you're willing to know that you don't know everything and you can, you can go to the people who do and can create and be that connection, especially young people. We bring that fresh, refreshing perspective. You mentioned it yeah. yourself. I'm not refreshing because I'm authentic. I'm refreshing because I'm young. And so I can bring well, you're this refreshing because you're young and authentic. That's what I was telling ah, you. Maybe. Yeah. You're both. No, you're yeah. both. And that's not normal. Okay. What's normal is when you're young, you might be full of yourself. You might be, you know, ambitious. You might be whatever. Right. But you're typically not very authentic and you're not very passionate about making a difference in this world and healing people. 
Yeah. Okay. You are. And that's what makes you unique. I okay. took that leap of faith. And you, I, I got you. You mentioned yeah. that outlier thing. Okay. And that's Malcolm Gladwell's book, The Outlier. Um, and what he talks about in the outline, and this is for people that haven't read the book, okay, and don't know about it. By the way, I highly recommend it. I've read it a couple of times. Um, Malcolm Gladwell talks about people like Bill Gates and people who are absolutely Warren Buffett, right? People who are the the tops of the tops, Elon Musk, they're, they're the tops of the top in everything that they do. And they have invested on an average over 10,000 hours in whatever it is that is their chosen profession, right? So with Gates, it was coding, right? With with Musk, it's, you know, building his business and technology and space and all this stuff, right? With um, with Buffett, it's investing, right? So, you know, whatever it is they're doing that, that allows them to stand out, right? That makes them a champion. They've spent and invested an enormous amount of hours, average 10,000 plus, and so that's what you were talking about in terms of being an outlier. Uh, that's where you qualify for that through that that uh, book by Malcolm Gladwell. So I wanted to make sure people knew that. But so talk to me about where you are now. So you have you is this a company you started with your dad? Yep. Okay. Yep. So the name of your company is what? It's called Asclepi. And right. it comes from the Greek god of wound healing, Asclepius. So, okay. um, and I came up with this when I was 14, and I wanted to stick to the name because it's funny. But um, Well, I like the name. I just didn't know how to say it, right? And course. I had no idea where it came from. So, yeah. right? So I'm literally I'm literally spelling it out and looking it up, and I'm going, okay, where did they come up with this, right? That was one, yeah. of the, that was one of the first questions I came up with when I was researching you. No, we should put it on our website. Yeah, no, Asclepi comes from the Greek god of one healing, Asclepius. So it's a wordplay. So it's yeah, Asclepius. Put it on your website, please. Yeah, I yeah. will. Okay. I got you. Okay. Asclepius is known as the healer of all wounds. Right. Um, so we wanted to say, but it feels very singular, right? Asclepius, yeah. it's like singular. So we wanted to say, well, we're making a bunch of little healers of all wounds. So we're Asclepi, making Asclepius. Right? Right. Yeah, You're right. that's why there's those eyes there. It's that's like right. fungi, fungus, that's right? It's right. like. That's right. Um, and and I wanted that minimalist feel of you know a sclepy with two eyes, feels simple. It feels yeah. minimalist. It feels like you know a not new app kind of deal. And and, right. and we want to we want to show as well that there's beauty in simplicity and, and and there's beauty in your own body and, and what you can do for yourself as well. And well so that's you know you're hitting on something that's a real that's a real sort of passion of mine, and that is people creating their bodies or making their bodies into a healing machine. Yeah. And the way you do that is you use your physical body. It could be walking. It could be running. It could be lifting weights. It could be anything. Right. And I had an experience with this. I had a, a health scare in 2018 and I spent, and I don't, I don't know if you remember this, but in 2007, end of 2017, beginning of 2018, there was a there was a flu that was going yeah. around, and it was one of the deadliest in decades. The yeah, hospitals were filling up. It was a healthcare crisis. And it's all pre-COVID, right? And to a couple of years before COVID, in fact. And I got it with both barrels. I was on a plane on the tarmac in in uh, in Dallas, um, waiting to take off to come back to San Diego. I was on a trip from Tampa. And this 10-year-old girl vomited all over me. And she had it, and I knew I was going to get it, right? And I did. I was down with a fever for six days straight. It was brutal. I finally got my fever to break. 
And I sit down at the at my computer at home to send a couple emails, and my heart is beating super fast. Yeah, I had tachycardia. I couldn't get it to slow down. So I drive myself to the emergency room, and I walk in, and they're like, "Why are you here?" And I went like this, and they immediately took me into a room and patted me up because they thought I might be having a heart attack. Right? They ran all my all my vitals. It turned out that my blood sugar was three forty three. I was full on type two diabetic, full blown. Wow. 8.2 A1C, the whole thing. Okay. Yeah. yeah Turns yeah, out yeah. I was 51 years old. And my dad was 51 years old when he was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. Wow. Okay. So I, so I they they bring in this, they bring, they put two full bags of saline in me and, and give me five units of insulin and they send me home. And I go home and then my heartbeat ramps back up the next day to 135 beats a minute. Okay, so now I'm tachycardia again. The doctor finally agrees to see me after I plead with them because they wanted to send me back to the emergency room. And she comes in and she immediately calms me down because there was some anxiousness there, right? Yeah, of course. Immediately calls me down and she says, listen, I said, you know, doc, what do I need to do? She said, you need to lose weight. I said, doc, I've lost 104 pounds. And she said, well, you need to lose more and you need to do it now. Wow. The next 90 days, I lost 51 pounds. Wow. And I did it all with diet and exercise. Okay. Wow. But here's what I know. I know for a fact that when I would lift weights on a regular basis, when I would lift weights regularly, I never got sick, not even a sniffle. Yeah. Okay? And so I went to the doctor and I said, look, doc, I got to get back in the, in the, in the weight room. You're telling me that because of type two diabetes, my immune system is compromised. I got to get back in the, in the gym. It's the only place on the planet that I know of where I can build my immune resistance back up, my healing capability. Okay. Yeah. And so I made it, she made a deal with me. She was sitting there in the room and my, my wife was sitting there. My wife, she looked at my wife, like, who is this guy? And my wife looked at her and said, he's a thoroughbred. <laughs> okay. Have you, ever, have you ever been to the horse races where yep. they put them in the yep. chute? And the, and the thoroughbreds jumping sideways because they're ready to go and they end up hurting themselves because they don't open the chute fast enough. Okay. Yeah. That's what she was trying to explain. She's like, you got to give him enough rain. You got to let him out of the chute. So she says, I'll, I'll make a deal with you. Go lift half of what you used to lift and you can go to the gym. You can work out. You can do as much as you want, but you cannot be out in there straining because of your heart. Because my heart was still beating too fast and they were trying to get yeah. the heart rate down. So here's what I know. I know that if you work hard enough at your health, okay, in other words, using your physical body, if you work hard enough at your, at your exercise and your diet, should say diet and exercise, but if you work hard enough at those two things, you can create a body yep. that heals itself. Now, Absolutely. It's, not, it's not what you're talking about, okay? Not, to, not even to a remote extent, but... We are literally every day fighting off disease. You know that. Yeah. Our yeah. immune system is constantly fighting germs and constantly fighting infection and constantly, right? It's a, it's a defense mechanism. We're a defense mechanism. All yeah, no, absolutely. Okay? For you to be able to go and grab those cells and then turn around and grow them and then use that to heal, to, to help enable the body to, to heal wounds, what you're basically doing is turning somebody into a superhuman healing machine. Yeah. 
in a okay. way. <laughs> That's amazing, man. And it's right in line with what I believe we have as a capability as a human being. Oh, we do. Our body's amazing. Yeah. Oh, you'd be surprised. I mean, and you, you have been. Yeah, no. So, and I'll tell you, one of the biggest issues really uh, is compliance with patients. Yeah. And, and if you're out there, one of the biggest things is, is really it's, it's um, trusting your doctor and it's yeah. trusting your own ability to heal. Diet and exercise go a very long way. And that's the problem. That's why there's so many people who suffer with diabetes and who suffer with amputation and death. I mean, so diabetes causes what we call neuropathy, which just means yeah. it, it, it gets in, in the way of your nerves and how you feel things, especially in your limbs. It also uh, causes reduced blood flow. In fact, I can actually take a skin sample of a healthy person versus a diabetic person, mm -hmm. and I can analyze them, and I can actually find the diabetes. Uh, diabetic people actually have 50% half of the vasculature than a healthy person does. Yeah. Um, and that's and the reason for that is, is because of this glucose, it's, it's really drying you up. And so... Um, there, there's a very big, very big health there concern. I mean, I wouldn't have a job if um, if people were able to to get access to quality food and quality exercise and, and quality education around around that and, and uh, lifestyle, healthy lifestyles. But what, the way I see diabetes, Mike, and in, in a lot of these chronic diseases, is really um, there. It's you're already a superhuman healing machine. The problem is when you're immunocompromised or when you're you're feeling facing chronic disease. It's like you have a, a crutch, like it's like you can't walk correctly. It's like, right, because um, from, from, a, from a healing perspective, so all we're doing is really is giving your body's ability back to itself. It's, yeah. it's we're empowering your body again to back to where it was, you know, and, and sometimes in some cases of healthy patients where, well, we are creating a superhuman <laughs> healing machine because even yeah. healthy patients, the idea is you can actually reduce scarring with things like these, right? Yeah. And so there's, there's a lot of applications but we're giving your body its 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 ability to be itself again, and, and that's well, you're really giving it a jump start, right? You're yeah. you're you're turbocharging it, I guess is the best way to put it, right? Yeah. You're you're just you're just giving it some added help that it needs, you know. Because I'm not perfect. I mean, I I have neuropathy in my feet, and you know, I have neuropathy, right? And I have the symptoms and all the things, but I'm you know what I'm doing right now, knock on wood, right? Is I'm managing it with diet and exercise, right? So yeah. I'm managing it. I mean, I'm, as we sit right now, I'm pre-diabetic. Okay. But I'm, but I'm paying, I'm paying attention to it and I'm making sure that I eat the way I should. And I'm making sure that I, I'm not perfect. Okay. No, no one is. We're but all I'm trying to eat. Different. I'm trying to eat the way that I should. I'm trying to limit dramatically the amount of sugar that I take on. I mean, it's rough because sugar's in everything. It isn't everything, especially you know? here. There's a lot of hyper-processed foods in, in America and, and uh, the diet here is, is, is tough. It's, it's tough because sometimes you go to, and let's be honest, you go to a restaurant, right? Yeah. And and I mean, most of the options are supposed to be healthier, kind of trash. Yeah. Like they're yeah. not great. Like, yeah. you know, and, and I mean, I will tell you having grown up in a country like Brazil, um, food there is very different in a good sense. Like there's a lot more access to healthy food that is not, you know, bland right there and in um and i and i also like you know there's there's a lot of diet there's this doctor that i really love i met him uh at, he was a speaker at one of the wound healing conferences i was at, I was at. he's he's uh his name's dr lee mm -hmm. um and he um he has this book called I, I i blank on the name i think the book is you know yeah uh healing like uh, he's all about mediterranean diet and he's about like you know nutrition and and, and like healing and you know, 
and, and you'd be surprised with the kind of food you can eat to empower your body. For example, I'm going to tell you a little secret. Um, okay. Artichoke is a really okay. good one actually, for, your, for your blood pressure and your uh, sugar levels. But another one you might not believe. I'm talking good quality, but if you have a good quality cup of a cocoa, cocoa, hot cocoa, but like it has, it can't be just like, you know, supermarket, like chocolate milk. It has to be like good quality cocoa. Typically that comes from Costa Rica. I spend a lot of time there. I actually went to the Starbucks farm and saw it there myself, but mm -hmm. that actually within a month can double the amount of adult stem cells that you have circulating in your blood. Um, so cocoa. A, one co a day. You can have one cup, cup of cocoa a day. Okay. And now, you know what? I'm going to send me, you the book. Send me the book. So, so the I'm 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 so excited. You're you have no idea how much you're <laughs> in right now. I'm literally not going to sleep tonight. So yeah, no, it's, it's so great. the cocoa. I know you can't tell because I hide it well, but the cocoa, it's actual cocoa powder. Not cocoa powder as much as actual cocoa. Um, I would say like chocolate. It's more like high percentage of, of cocoa chocolate. Uh, it's it's the chocolate part. The powder is more industrialized is the problem. Okay. So it's, it's, it's high quality chocolates that have a high cocoa amount and content actually are really good for your health. Um, it's like but you know, it's the ones that are more bitter, right? So it's like a raw cocoa. Right. It's, it's yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, and I saw it in his presentation and I was so surprised. I was like, are you serious? Um, and yeah, and then there's also, you know, chickens really, there's, there's a lot of great ways that you could actually get food that other, you know, that is, that you wouldn't think is really good for you, but it is. And, and obviously everything's about um, diet and it's, it's about moderation. And, sure. but look, I'm going to send you this book. It is a really interesting read. He is a world renowned like physician, he spoke at the wound healing conference that I've, I've been in. I mean, with all the top wound healing physicians in the, in, the, in America, and, and he's a well-respected guy. He's, I mean, he's part of like 130 FDA trials, like wow. like ongoing at the same time. Wow. Um, and it's and it's fun because what I think my in my job really the nature of my job, Mike, is is really simple. It, it's it's we need to make health fun and affordable. Yeah. You know, we need to make health something that's, that's that you can see, you can feel. And, and similarly, as an entrepreneur, my job is to make innovation the same thing. It's, it's like, can I, can, if, look, if there's one thing you learned today mm -hmm. from my entire talk with, it's like an hour talk is, you know, if you knew what a scaffold was, if that's all you learned, like yeah. a scaffold is the mesh that knits yeah. yourselves together, yeah. then I'm happy because my goal is to educate. My goal is to inspire. My goal is to show you that like those you know elon musk types of entrepreneurs that are so uh, nebulous and you don't really know how they got there and you're like you know they're a genius and don't get me wrong it takes a lot of effort it's just ten thousand hours are a real thing but, but anyone can't you can really dedicate yourself to a passion if you're passionate it's, it's about how bad you want it yeah. you know it's not about and, and i like entrepreneurship because it's not about who you are it's not about where you're from it's about how bad you want it it's about, <laughs> it's about what you deliver and it's about what you deliver. And, and you know what? And I, the, the, the reason I, I started a company with my father, and I really liked doing that. It's a family company, I would say, is, is, um, is that the first thing he ever told me was, look, if we're going to get into business together, and I, and I trust you, I believe in you, because you know there's people who told me to believe in you. And, and I, I've been seeing this. And so there, I feel like it's not crazy. But he told me, look, if we're going to do things, we're going to do things right. And we're going to, if there's anyone, any kind time or, or any kind of person that's been involved in this company, uh, they're going to get what they deserve. They're going to get 
just treatment, they're going to get fairness and they're going to get, you know, in compensation and in treatment. And, you know, we're going to do things right. And, and that's something that also um, kind of became a really big part of our company culture is, is that we run things in a really different way than like a traditional company does. And, and it works really well because, um, because the people that work with us actually really enjoy working with us because they realize that we're really like, we're just ourselves and we, and we're, and we're truly trying to help people and we're truly trying to help um, each other and create mutual benefit for our partners. You know, we just closed a half a million dollar grant <laughs> like last week. Okay. Uh, I was reviewing it yesterday and, um, and, and it was with a, the MIT of Mexico. So it's the biggest, most prestigious research institution of Mexico, one of the top five in Latin America. Mm-hmm. I grew up like studying people from there. I was like, wow, these guys are cool. I mean, the army literally goes to these guys, like get new innovations every year. Um, and I, well, and, and I go to this, the, and we were at the grant and, and, you know, I start working, I, I reached out to physicians there and, and I said, look, you know, I, I want to work with you guys because, because you guys have access to a lot of diabetic patients and a lot of hospital infrastructure and you need it because, because they're treating wounds with water and bleach, just like back in Brazil. And, you know, and, and they're like, all right, like, why would we work with you versus everyone else that comes to us? And I'm like, well, you wouldn't. Like, I honestly, if you have someone else going to you, chances are they're probably really good. Like, I don't know why you'd work with us. And I mean, obviously, it wasn't like that. I'm not, it, it, we, we brought them some some data and some cool angles. But but really, I told them, look, like, your chances are you're best off working with someone who can give you a hefty upfront payment and who's, you know, and they said, no, you know what? We want to work with you because you're honest about it and because you know, those, you know, million dollar R&D budgets are great, but the problem is that they're slow. And, and most importantly, they're, they're, they're not, they don't, they're not driven by the same metrics and the same goals that we are. I mean, we're, we are really truly driven by like helping people and, and by creating positive impact and, and we're, we're, I mean, I'm the CEO, but I'm hands-on and I just got back from the lab, like, like an hour ago. Right. <laughs> it's like, you know, we're doing it. We're, you know, we're a small company. So we, we, everyone does everything. Uh, and that's a really big value that we bring as well is is that we're we're we have our head in the right place, you know. And I like that a lot about us as well. Is is it's been I a really too. where's your lab located? Cleveland, Ohio. Okay, right so you're now. in Cleveland now. I'm in Cleveland. We have one in, in Mexico as well now. Okay, that's cool. We might be opening one in Spain, but we don't know. So my son dated a girl who he's not dating anymore. They just they just decided to stay friends. Um, but she works in stem cell research. No kidding. In the Bay Area. Oh and wow! It was. She was telling us about what she does, and it's fascinating. And she's um, she's going back to school so that she can run her own research projects. Right? Like yeah. Apply for her own grants and run her own lab. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She but wants to be her own principal. I should, I should introduce you guys. Yeah, I'm happy. To, I'm, I'm actually. It's fun. Uh, I became my own research leader um at a very young age because of this this mission and and i'm happy to i love talking to people especially in the field happy to connect um it's funny because all of the mentors who used to be my bosses and used to be my lab directors now my collaborators like now i have my own lab it's like and and it's i cracked the code that's really nice because um to them, I serve as actually a link between industry and, and academia, and, and it works both ways. Both right. industry and academia can, and can help. And, and the thing is that they don't need to work with all this these huge universities. or No, they can just work with me, and I can make the decision, and, and I can work out with the university and then work right. out with industry, but they're 
dealing with one simple guy, right? And one right. simple company, which makes it really easy and, and well, great. Stuff, so happy huh? to talk to him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Wow, man, this has been so much fun. I I could talk to you for a week. Oh yeah. No, I, and I, I could talk about myself for hours. <laughs> oh, I, I have I have enjoyed this so much. I cannot thank you enough. I knew that I was gonna have a good time, but this far exceeded all my expectations, and you exceeded all my expectations. I'm so glad we had a chance to meet. And I feel absolutely blessed that that I had an opportunity to meet you and spend time with you. Uh, oh wow! No, and if I can ever kind. help you in any way, please reach out. I'm, no, I'm, and in likewise, you know, similarly. It. If you ever have any questions about diabetes, I'll give you my phone number. You can just ask me or anything. You know, that'd be can, awesome. Um, but if and if there's and I really appreciate your time. I I appreciate your the opportunity for me to actually kind of uh, speak my voice for in in favor of people who are actually trying to do something impactful yeah. and um, that are focused on making impact and, and helping people. I mean, there's a lot of value. And, and if there's one thing that I could, you know, even like close it with saying is, is really, is that um, be yourself and make an effort to help. Like if there's a lot of value that is not really sold, it's undersold. It's undersold how important trying to be genuine and helping people can really get you. And, yeah. and I've and gone to these beautiful yeah, place. I mean, that's, that's the history of your life, right? Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. That's so cool, man. And I, you know, I cannot tell you how many people you've inspired and motivated today. I mean, oh, I hope <laughs> we're, we're, we're going to take this thing worldwide. And I'm so, so excited for people to hear this episode. I really, yeah, absolutely. Am. I'm so glad we had a chance to meet, man. I really am. I, Franco, you're, you're just, Man, you're amazing. You picked up a new fan. So no, likewise. I appreciate I, it. And and you can catch us where we'll be at South by Southwest in Austin, Texas in uh in March 9th. And it'll be it'll be another great pitch. And I'll I'll make sure to to speak about it. And and uh if if there's anyone ever interested in learning more, I'm, I'm actually I'm I'm just your friendly neighborhood innovator. <laughs> you can it. So it's um, so I'm gonna put a link to your website on your description so people can reach out to you. Is that the best way? Yeah, um, or my LinkedIn. Yeah, both, okay. both. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna put that on your description, okay, on the episode description. Awesome. So when it goes out, um, it'll go out to all our social media and all that kind of stuff. And then if you don't mind, put it out to yours, right? I will, of course. And absolutely. we'll and we'll we'll see um, we'll see what kind of damage we can do. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good. I like doing it. And it doesn't matter what kind of damage we can do; you can heal it, right? Yeah, exactly. I'll heal it. <laughs> Patch it right up. Thank you, buddy. I sure appreciate you. I, I cannot hey. thank you enough for being our guest on the Mike Litton Experience. Great to meet you, Mike. It was, it was great. So I enjoyed it, buddy. Thank you again. We hope you enjoyed another episode of the Mike Litton Experience. If you did, do us a favor. Smash that subscribe button. Tell your friends, family, and coworkers about our program. And wherever you get your podcasts, please leave us a rating. It helps us to connect with quality people just like you. And that's a wrap. Another episode of the Mike Litton Experience in the books. Reach out to Mike on Instagram at Litton Realty. Want to meet with Mike? Check out calendly.com slash Rio 760.